I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Last night we saw the premiere of Tales from Tiger Town, which I thought was sensational. Uh, we spoke a lot about this in the lead up to it. We spoke about it when we first heard about this announcement a couple of months ago, saying how we just thought it's fantastic. And we think it's fantastic that the West Tigers have opened their doors here. I've got to say the first episode was a little bit different to what I was expecting. I sort of anticipated it would start sort of in the preseason, the lead up to the season. So I was sort of expecting a lot of promises, a lot of goal setting, a lot of that sort of stuff. Look, they cut all that shit out, which I thought was sensational. I sort of thought it would be a real laying of the ground sort of back end. We might see the first game or two or leading into the first game. They dove straight into it, which I thought was sensational. And I thought that the access in game one, obviously they, they played the Canberra Raiders in round one. And look, when you look back... You know, when you think about it now, playing the Raiders in Canberra, it's not that daunting. But back then, I mean, going to Canberra round one to play the Raiders, that was an absolute nightmare. This Raiders team, they've been a prelim final and grand finalist team the last two years in a row. That was a really tough task for the West Tigers, going to that game with a rookie fullback, uh, new front rowers, halves pairings under pressure, left, right, and center. I mean, it was a pretty tough gig for them, still trying to work out who the hooker was going to be to replace Harry Grant, realistically. Uh, It wasn't an easy gig, and I thought that... Um, it was really good. It was obviously James Roberts' first game as well. It was his 150th game. I noticed that Madge, uh, he was quite vocal about that. He pointed that out a couple of times. And good to see because I think you remember, you, I, I think we forget a little bit of the backstory. I'm pretty sure Madge was the guy that let Jimmy the Jet go when he was at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I think he was with the guy that sort of drew the sand. Uh, drew the line in the sand and sort of said, no, like oh, I'm not going to deal with this sort of stuff. So good to see him embracing Jimmy and... I'll come back to Jimmy in a minute because it was a moment during that game that, that was really important. Uh, but yeah, they, they went out in that game, um, didn't play poorly, but Canberra did get the job done, losing around one, never ideal. You go through a couple of months of preseason getting yourself ready. And I thought that Madge, he really, he, he was really positive after that game. And it's it's not the sort of Michael Maguire that I would have been expecting. I've always sort of anticipated Michael Maguire to be a little bit more upbeat, uh, a little bit harder on his guys, which we might see as the season progresses. I, um, 
I, I, I had a mate that messaged me about 10 minutes into it and he sort of said, oh, geez, they don't look that dysfunctional. And I was like, yeah, let's just, let's wait and see what happens. I mean, no one's dysfunctional in round two. Everyone's calm. Everything's happy. You know, we're going to be okay. Uh, we're going to fall into place. We're getting our combinations used to it. So th- there's a lot more to go on here. And I think you can sort of see in the preview of the next few weeks that it is going to heat up a little bit. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting the amount of emphasis that Madge put on their, their completion rates. I think at one point they were 69% in that game and he sort of screamed down to the bench, we need to lift it, we need to lift it. I'd be interested to see what Madge's perspective is on completion rates now. I think the game has changed a little bit um, and I do think you need to change your hand, chance your hand a little bit more and I think that the game has moved away from that rigid, structured sort of trying to complete our sets and trying to keep that percentage up. Uh, but look, that that has changed over the last 10 or 12 weeks, realistically. Um, I think a lot of coaches would have still been thinking down that sort of path. Very interested to see how Madge sort of handles that now. I thought, though, that Madge, in that game, there was a moment where he had Big Stefano, his front row, I believe it was. He was down injured back on the 40-metre line. The Cam Raiders are allowed to roll on, and he was sc- screaming through his microphone down to his sideline, guys, stop the game, stop the game, stop the game. Um, and that's one of those scenarios where, as a coach, e- e- even in my level of coaching, when, you, when you're coaching your local team, whatever it is, like if you need your trainer to get out there, you need your trainer to get out there and be a pain in the ass and get in the way and be painful enough so that the referee has to stop the game. As controversial as it might be, that's what you want in that moment. And that's why coaches get so pedantic over this because it was that scenario where the trainer didn't go out, he didn't be a pain in the ass. And the Canberraers went on to score at the end of that set. And it was really costly. I, I remember that. I remember all those tries when I was watching it on the Tigers documentary, watching it live. And they were really instrumental moments. And it came down to that one set where they had to defend 12 guys. And look, I thought Madge. He handled himself incredibly well in that moment. I I thought he was going to absolutely blow his lid. And look, obviously it was early days with having the cameras there. Maybe he did control himself a little bit. But regardless, the emotion around that game, the amount of pressure on this guy's head, for him to handle that moment as well as he did, I thought it was really impressive. Um, I thought it was interesting as well to see... We obviously had a lot of faith in BJ Leilua early. Uh, you heard him talking to him about getting ball early. You heard at one point he, he mentioned to his sideline guys that as they spread out to the right, he said on the left, you've got BJ and Leilua who were playing to, with each other at that point, which he's done the last two seasons in a row and it hasn't really worked out. He straight away said these two need to get into shape quickly. They're a little bit lethargic out there and he's since split them up. I mean, it only took two more weeks until he dropped BJ, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but I thought a lot of those conversations were very interesting. The one thing I found found, and I know it's easy in hindsight, the thing I found interesting about the way that Madge went about things is just how many compliments he gave their defense. Um, It makes me wonder, you know, you obviously spend all preseason looking forward to defending, looking forward to really putting your mark in defense. You you can do as much as you want with the ball. That's all good and well. It's your defense that sort of speaks volumes about your team. And I don't know if Madge, I don't know if maybe he would look back on that and sort of think maybe he over-complimented these sort of guys, you know. I, I, I sort of thought, geez, they're getting a lot of pats on the back in a game that they're not winning, that they are leaking points. I just thought that was really interesting. And, I mean, at no point this year did I think the West Tigers, even early on, had turned the corner defensively, realistically. Like, even the game they won against the Newcastle Knights, it was still a score off. They were still conceding points left, right, and center. So it was one thing that I found interesting. I didn't expect Michael Maguire 
to be so complimentary of what the West Tigers were doing in defense because, you know, it wasn't terrible, but I wouldn't say, surely it wasn't what he was looking for in the preseason. So I found that very interesting, but that comes down to tactics. Obviously, Madge, he thought, or he still thinks he can get the best out of his guys by trying to lift them up like that, by giving them a pat on the back. Maybe that'll change over the next few weeks. I'm not sure. Uh, Interesting though, you know, I, I heard him in that game, obviously also talking about how their line speed wasn't good enough. They need to get up, up, up and pressure. And he talked about that in the Parramatta game again and then you know I go back to a couple of weeks ago against South Sydney where he had his defense doing the complete opposite in the first half so uh, very very interesting to be able to see behind the scenes there and then compare it to what Madge has done since but I must say Madge he was a lot calmer and a lot collected than what I expected and maybe a lot calmer and collected than what this group of players needs potentially. But I'm not in that room, so I can't really comment too much. Uh, he said at the end of that game they did beat themselves, but the way I think there's there's ways to deliver. We beat ourselves, and I thought Madge was a very calm sort of fashion. And you know th- there are positives to that. I think there are negatives to it as well, though. Uh, they they came out in game two. They played the Roosters. Now this one was. Um, Somewhat was a, was a bit of a weird one for, for me anyway. They obviously had a big emphasis on the CEO, which um, I must say I wasn't huge on. I, I understand it was good to see from that perspective, but I mean, during the game, I, I, I didn't really care about seeing the CEO stand in the tunnel and see his reaction, to be honest with you. Seems like a really good guy. I don't think he's uh, got a great understanding of rugby league or not not a good enough understanding of rugby league to be have the camera on him for that entire game, in my opinion. Um yeah, it, it was it was a really interesting viewpoint to have, but I still think that all the images and the video of Michael Maguire was just so much more important that I would have rathered during that Roosters and that and that Knights game for us to have more emphasis on Michael Maguire and see his reactions. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to be a fly on the wall to see Michael Maguire and his coaching and how he reacts to things. I understand the side of the CEO. I get it. I also understand the side of the fan. I completely get that. I think it was a nice little touch, but personally, I would have I would have still had Michael Maguire as the main lead there and then had a little bit of an emphasis on those other two aspects because they are important, no doubt about it. I thought probably the most telling thing to take from the CEO was his comments really early about, you know, it came, it came down to about how hard work is, you know, like he spoke about hard work and I, I thought it was a real point at the sort of guy Michael Maguire is and the success that they're not having yet. I thought that was interesting. I also thought that the comment about how he said that, you know, there's been people here from 7am to 11pm putting stuff up and then we got an email about people complaining about flags not being up properly and it's, it's a classic example of what I talk about, especially in rugby league, especially with fans of rugby league, you can do 99 things right, you do one thing wrong and that's the thing that people are going to remember, that's the thing that people are going to complain about. I just, I couldn't imagine in a world where I go to a match of footy and I think, oh, the flags look a bit odd, I'm going to complain about that, I'm going to send an email, you know, it just seems completely backwards to me, but that's the reality of the situation that these guys are dealing with. Um, I thought in that ninth game, obviously it was Pierce's 300th game, so uh, Pierce playing against um, the West Tigers, obviously, who we actually saw his father, Wayne Pierce. Uh, the CEO ran into him at uh, McDonald's Jones Stadium. Nice little touch there. Wayne Pierce, obviously a Tigers legend, probably the biggest legend the Tigers have ever had, and his son Mitchell playing his 300th against uh, the West Tigers. And it was a game that, personally, I remember watching it thinking, oh, they're, they're Gonski here. Yeah, they're, they're not going to lose this one, the Newcastle Knights. The Tigers, it was a really spirited win. It was fantastic to see. And you could see that Madge, he really enjoyed that one 
after the game and the sheds really reflected how much of a spirited win that one that one was and how much it meant to them. I thought that was great to see. You saw their victory song and everything, which was great. Um, I probably would have wanted to see a bit more at halftime and whatnot of that game, to be honest with you. Like, seeing the victory song is great, but, I mean, we see that on social media every week. Yeah, I see that on social media every single week with the most teams anyway. And if the, the teams that aren't doing it, they're missing out on something serious there, yeah. Um, so I think they could have offered a little bit more in that game, but I understand that they were trying to get the perspective of the fan and the CEO, which didn't interest me as much. I don't know about you guys, but I would like to see more emphasis on Michael Maguire, on his coaching staff. I thought the addition of Ronnie Palmer and him talking about his stuff, the Cougar, I mean, this guy's been around rugby league for 50 years. He's an absolute legend. I remember going to a Melbourne Cup once and he was staying on the same level as us. I'll tell you what, he might be the fittest human in the world, but he does not miss out on a pub. I'll tell you that much. He is a wild little character. And I thought it was great little addition for him. He's seen a lot of rugby league. He's worked with a lot of coaches. He sort of like it, what the first thing that I thought about whenever I see um the Cougar at the West Tigers, I think, geez, Madge reminds me of early Ricky Stewart. Looks like he just blow his lid at any moment. I think that this documentary did show a little bit of a different side to Madge than we're probably not used to. I mean, we got used to him being this guy at South Sydney that was just relentless. It was belt and bash for four tackles, kick to a corner, then we're going to beat the shit out of you down there. And you can still see that. You can still see that in Madge, some of his pre-game comments that he, he was giving to his team and some, some of his rev-up speeches, which were sensational. But there is a softer side to Madge, which I think we don't really see much of. And, you know, you hear, you hear that he had to leave South Sydney because just two or three years under Madge, it was just too much. They were exhausted. They couldn't do it anymore. Um, so I think he probably has taken a little bit from that coming to this club and I think he also is well aware that the players he's got in this club at the moment they aren't the guys that he had at South Sydney they're very different personalities like I look at the Leilua brothers like they would have never fit in to that South Sydney team of 2014 so Madge is a guy that I've spoken about before that sometimes I think he coaches the team he wants instead of the team he's got and I still think um, he's a victim of that sometimes but I think it did shine a good light, to me anyway, that he is sort of coaching the group that he's got a little bit more than what I originally gave him credit for. Um, and then we had after that one, he obviously had so, sort of a bit of a breakup. It went all of a sudden from being about... Um, oh, actually, the, the one thing I will, I will mention about the CEO before we move on is that he mentioned that Adam Dway sees him as a long-term sort of guy at the West Tigers. I think that, that that is sensational, a guy that he seems to be a really good fellow off the field. He seems to be a really good leader. He was a voice that you quite often heard during during those games as well, which I thought was fantastic. So really positive sides to Adam Dway here. They're a guy that I've been a little bit critical of. And as, I, as I've said, egg all over my face, he's been playing unreal this year. He's part of their leadership group as well, which sort of links into the next part when they went out for dinner. I thought this was really interesting. The guys sitting around the table, um, you know, you, you had you had Jimmy, the skipper, you had Nofaluma, Alex Twell, Dwayne Brooks, all their leadership dinner. And I just thought the guys that he's picked in his leadership group, I, I didn't think they were bad picks, but I've just thought it's been really interesting how it's unfolded for the rest of the season for those guys. I mean, David Nofaluma, he's already outside of the leadership group. He showed up to um, training um, hung over one day, re- read into that what you will. Uh, but I thought the other guys were interesting. A guy like Alex Twoll, I really feel like Madge hasn't utilized Twoll to his best in any way, shape, or form. I feel like the way that he uses Twoll, where he puts him on for the first 50 minutes, then he essentially puts him up for a shower after that. I, I think it's very strange. And if he's part of that leadership group, I want him through the center third a lot more than that. I find it really interesting how much faith 
Madges put in guys like Stefano, like Thomas McKayley, these sort of goes over Alex Twell, who he has in his leadership group. And he obviously has so much faith in Jimmy Tamu, which which I back 100%. I, I, I have so much faith in him as well. But I think the way that he's used Twell this year has been extremely interesting considering he's in his leadership group. Um, another guy there was obviously Luke Brooks in the leadership group. Now, I think it's fantastic that Madge still obviously have so much spec, respect for Brooksy. And there was a couple of times where you saw him in the change rooms before and after games. He, he just gave Brooksy the floor, which you should with your halfback. That's their role. Uh, but considering their past and their history and everything, it obviously looks like they, they've put a lot of things behind them, which is good to see. Um, the last guy that was on that leadership group was Adam Dwayhe. And you will remember, I mean, he was starring at 5'8". Then Madge sort of shafted him out to centre. He's now moved him into 5'8". Another one that I just find very interesting, like... And look, oh, I was the first guy to say, I don't think he's a 5'8". I don't think he should be out there. Um, and then he moved him to centre. And I had to put my hands up in the air and say, I don't understand why he's done this. I think he's been playing unreal at 5'8". He's recently moved him back in. But it's just very interesting how Madge, his relationship has unfolded with these guys in the in the leadership group. I think it's very interesting for guys you have so much faith in, for guys you're willing to have a leadership group, take them out to dinner, spend that time with them, to then not really utilize them properly, in my opinion. Anyway, it doesn't mean I'm right. Just my opinion, how he's utilized these guys has been very, very interesting. Um, I thought the video session that he, he saw a little clip of, he obviously pointed out something that James Tamo did. We didn't get to see what that was, but it was obviously an experienced play, which, you know, I would love to, I would love to be able to sit in on some of these video sessions and, and just, just sit, be a fly on the wall and just listen to some of these conversations. And then I would love to be able to go to a video session of each 16 NRL clubs and just see how guys are doing things differently. I think it would be so interesting, and it's part of something that we don't really get to see much of now, we headed into their round four game against the West Tigers. And I, I love that you saw Madge before the game going around to each player. And you sort of... I, I always compare it to Wayne Bennett. You see Wayne Bennett, he'll walk around with his arms folded. He's sort of he's sort of just floating along, sort of like kicking things on the floor. And he'll walk up to guys and he'll nudge them. And he'll say like 10 or 15 words, then he'll walk away. Now, you had Madge. He, he was on the floor with a pen and paper drawing their plays to their forwards, showing them where they need to be, where they need to go. Obviously, going through their different sets, I would imagine the Tigers would have four to five sets, depending out of where they're coming from, what the objective is, the end of their set, the time on the clock, all sorts of different things. And going to his front rowers and reminding them, hey, you know, when we're when we're having our recovery set, this is where you need to be. You need to be pushing up here. You need to be supporting here. You need to be the two-man here. Just going through and drawing it all. And I, I'd love to know from the players, how much that helps them. They, they obviously do this stuff all during the week, but having that little reminder, I think it'd be fantastic. And I love how hands-on he is. Um, and, you know, it's one, it's one of those balancing things. Sometimes you can overcoach, sometimes you can undercoach. It's just about finding the balance within your football team. But I think that Madge obviously appreciates that he has got a lot of young heads in his footy team. Obviously, guys in the forward pack, I mean... You've got Thomas McKayley, you've got Stefano, a lot of young heads there playing key roles. Luciano Leilua, I mean, Luciano Leilua, he's not really that old, realistically. He's only really come into first grade a couple of years ago. Under Madge, he sort of found his way as a back row, but he's always been a highlight sort of guy coming through the junior. So I reckon a lot of those fundamental stuff, he would still be learning as he goes. So I think those little conversations would be sensational. He's obviously got a big emphasis on Dane Laurie as well. A couple of comments he made about Dane Laurie and just seeing him talk to him in the sheds as well. I thought that was unreal, but I love the way Madge really gets down on his hands and knees with a pen and paper and explains to them what their role is in each of their sets, what their objective is. I would imagine he'd be asking them questions during that to make sure they're taking it in, to make sure they know about it. Gives you an idea, more of an idea then, 
or when you're watching the game and you can see who's not doing their role, who's just nodding their head and who's actually engaging in what the team is doing. says says a lot about certain guys when you can understand their mindset before they go out, then you can watch them as well. I do it with my footy team as well. You know, you say to you guys, hey, um, on this set, what are we going to do? Are we going to go to here, here, here? Yep, yep, yep. And they nod, they nod, they nod. Then you get out there and you can just see their loss straight away or they, they're a little bit off their mark or they're just keeping up with the guy to make it look like they know what they're doing sort of thing. And it's easy to pick out when you understand the mindset of guys before they run out there. So I thought that was really interesting. Probably my favorite thing of the entire show, though, was um, in this Parramatta Eels game. I think they were down 12-0. I think they conceded the first two tries. And uh, you could see Madge just screaming out, you know, they need their line spread. They, they were just letting Moses sort of drift across the line. He wanted line speed, which, which one, once again is interesting because when I watched him against South Sydney, he sort of bragged about this new defensive structure that he'd come up with before the game, and it was the complete opposite of line speed. It was literally um, negative. Negative defense when you didn't have to go into negative defense, which is when you back off and you let them to come into you, which is normally when you're under a bit of pressure or when you're outnumbered. Um, but in this situation, they, they did that the entire game, which I thought was really interesting. Complete 360 of the stuff he was complaining about against the Parramatta Eels. But I thought that the really important thing in this, and the thing that grabbed my attention out of this whole thing, was that it was round four. Here they are. They're, they're, they're two losses, one win. They're going into their fourth game. They're trying to get two games in a row. They're playing the Parramatta Eels, um, a top four side. You could tell me top five, top six, whatever. They're a top four caliber football team taking on the West Tigers. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All that Madge wanted to know when Ronnie Palmer ran out there at 12-0 or 10-0 or whatever it was is who was talking. Who was the voice that was talking behind the sticks? And I'm not sure if you remember, but all preseason I said, James Tamo is the most experienced head in this team by far and away. He is on the field. He's going to be the guy talking. When he's not on the field, who is going to talk? Who's going to be the guy talking? And I thought it was really, really interesting that Madge wanted an emphasis on knowing who it was. Says to me that Madge also has, there's a little bit of a lack of leadership in this group. Um, and look, I, I think the leadership group he picked out of the guys he had to pick from was sensational. But let's be perfectly honest here. Um, is Alex Twole going to be in a leadership of many sides? Probably not. Um, Adam Dwayne, he's very young. I don't think he would be either. I don't think Brooksy would be. Jimmy would walk into any side. And I'm not sure if Knopf would be either, to be perfectly honest with you. And it was funny, the, the voice that was coming was David Nofaluma. And you all know that I'm not a massive fan of David Nofaluma. I know he's very popular with people and people love him. The super coach scores, the attacking stats, the highest try score for the West Toast. There's a lot of deficiencies in David Nofaluma's game. And there's a lot of things that I don't really like about the way he carries himself doesn't really shock me that out of these five or six, he's the first one to be shafted from this leadership group. But to his credit, when they were behind the sticks, he was the one talking. He was the main voice, which really surprised me. It really did surprise me. But good on Knopf, credit where credit is due. And I think Michael Maguire, I think he would have been a little bit disappointed in that moment finding out it was Knopf. Not, and that's not a negative on Knopf. It's just a negative on the position that was talking. 
it was his winger that was coming in and talking, doing the main talking. I mean, he's not standing in the guts. He's not the guy making these decisions in the middle. I mean, I, I, it just worries me that there wasn't a Luke Brooks or a Jimmy Tarmel. I'm not sure if Jimmy was on the field, so he, he might have been off. I, I would imagine if Jimmy was on, he would have been the one talking, but it surprised me that it was David Nofaluma, to be honest with you. But once again, I'm not inside that room. I just thought that was really interesting, something that I didn't really expect. I would expect one of my spine players to be talking. I would be expecting my seven to talk. You've got to remember Luke Brooks. He's played 10 years of first grade now, yeah? He's the guy that I want talking, to be honest with you. And whilst he isn't like a key defender or anything, he's a halfback. So he understands breaking down defense, and he'd be able to see what what, what Mitch Moses is doing. He's one of his best mates. He knows him inside out. Luke Brooks should should have an understanding of what Mitch Moses is doing and how the Parramatta is getting the better of them. I would have hoped that he would have been the main voice. So a really, really interesting point there. He spoke about it halftime in that game. They needed pressures on their quick kicker. They need their ball watching. So it all comes down to line speed, getting up in their face, which as I've spoken about, I find very interesting because he did change that a number of weeks later, a few weeks ago against South Sydney. Then he backtracked out of it at halftime. I'm very interested to see how the next few weeks play out. Um, Because there was a moment in that Paramedias game with Luciano Lelou, he comes up with a massive play, got an offload to Luke Brooks, he found Jacob Little, he scored. They were back in the game, energy was high. And then sort of typical of the West Tigers, they let Gutho sneak through, he scored. That game was done and dusted. And and then it flashed to after the the game, and they're in the shed. and And it felt like Michael Maguire was building up for a big spray. It felt like he was building up to something, and then... No, it was weird. It was something that I would have never, ever expected from Michael Maguire. And this is the beauty. This is the absolute beauty of this sort of documentary and this sort of content. He just sort of broke down all of a sudden. The emotion just hit him. The amount of effort that they've put in over the last few months to get to round four and be, you know, one and three. The emotion really hit him. In a game that he knew he could have won, he was playing a top four side there. That would have relieved a lot of pressure of them. And it would have been a, a win early in their season where they could have looked at each other and gone, fuck, we can do this. We can handle this. We went to Newcastle. We won in Newcastle. We've now played Parramatta, another top four side. We've beaten them. It could have been anything for their season. I think it would have built a lot of confidence within this side. But you could just see the emotion hit Michael Maguire. And he sort of kind of lost his place a little bit, which I would never expect from Madge. He looks like, to me, to be the full-time professional. He looks like everything is set in structure. Everything is ready hours and hours before. He looks like he knows exactly what he's going to say when he gets in that lift to come down to the sheds. And for him to lose that emotion in that moment, um, really, really interesting. Now, when you have a look at the West Tigers season. Obviously, we, we mentioned there that they played their first four games. That was the vast majority of the footage that we saw, uh, which was great to see. It was awesome. But then when you have a look at the West Tigers draw, so they played the Parramatta Eels in round four there. They lost that one, unfortunately. That leaves them with a record of one and three. Now, you look at their next few games. They then go to Leichhardt Oval the week after. And uh, during this week is the week that Tommy Rodonikus dies, yeah? So keep in mind the emotion surrounding this week. Obviously a Magpies legend. And I remember that game at Leichhardt. You have Luke Brooks. He walks out with the number seven jersey that, that belonged to Tommy Rodonikus. So a lot of emotion around that. And Michael Maguire, he understands the history of rugby league. He, he's a student of the game. He would have understood, and he you know, would have understood probably better than the vast majority of us how much Tommy meant to rugby league and how much he should mean to this club and how much it would mean to the fans to go out to Leichhardt Oval and put on a good performance in this week. And I found it interesting. They obviously lost to the Cowboys in this game. Now, they lost 34-30. to I believe at halftime it was like 28-0 or something. It was 28-6 to the North Queensland Cowboys. So that's going to be a really interesting one. You can already see the emotion getting 
to Michael Maguire, and this is before Tommy Rodotikas passed away. He then comes back the week after, and they put out that sort of performance against the North Queensland Cowboys at Leichhardt Oval. Leichhardt Oval, they shouldn't be losing at Leichhardt Oval. This is the Tigers' backyard, yeah. This is their bread and butter. And on such a special day to put in that sort of performance, I'm very interested to see how Madge handles himself. Now, obviously, it was 28-6 at halftime. They ended up losing 34-30. to So in the second half, it was, what was it, like 24-6 or something ridiculous. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how Madge handles that halftime speech. Is that the blow-up? Is that the kick chairs? Is that the lose his head? Or is that the calm Madge patting on backs. I, I think it'll be a little bit of a turning point, and he does get a response out of them. The response isn't good enough, which is still very disappointing at Leichhardt. But then it goes from bad to worse. The week after, um, they take on the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and of course, that's the game where Tom Burgess goes over the line, drops the ball, Luke Brooks runs the length of the field. It comes down to the last play. Now, the Tigers played unreal. They played unreal, and they lost that game. They were very unlucky to lose that game, and this is the sort of game where I can understand that more positive side of Madge, that pat on the back. They genuinely were unlucky. They definitely played well enough for a win. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. So I'm interested to see how he responds to the Cowboys' loss and then to the Bunnies' loss because they're two very different losses. They're two incredibly different losses, both four-point losses, but the context around the game, very different. Very keen to see how he reacts to both of those. And then, of course, the week after, they take on the Manly Seagulls. And um, Tom Travojevic puts on a real show. They win 40-6 to out of Bankwest Stadium, uh, one of the Tommy Turbo specials we've seen this year. So, you know, you got three weeks. you got three very different games of football coming off a one-and-three start. And by this point, I mean, it's round, what is it, round seven? They've won one game of football. So Madge is under pressure straight away. This season started exactly as I predicted it would. So very interesting to see how it plays out in that next uh, episode of Tiger Town. And then you've got round eight where they do get a win there. They defeat the St. George of the Dragons, who are far from an impressive football side. So they're sitting with a, what is it, uh, from eight rounds, they're sitting with a two and six record. Very keen to see how Madge handles it. I imagine a lot of the audio in the preview for this next episode must come from that Cowboys game and probably the Manly game. I would imagine he would be spitting chips in both of those, but very interested to see how it plays out. I absolutely love this sort of content. I think it is sensational. I think it's very well done by the West Tigers, and I think there's other clubs that need to be doing this. I think every club should be doing this anyway. I think every single club should be doing this every single season. doesn't mean you have to release a documentary, but it means that... In two or three years, if you do build to win a premiership, which is what every team should be trying to do, if you're not winning it this year, you're building for something. And if you're not going to win it this year, you should be building to win it the year after, at worst anyway. I think every single team should be having this sort of content. Doesn't mean you have to bring out a doco like this, but just so you've got it. Just so you've got it in the lead up to something special. If the Tigers go on to win a premiership in two years' time and they do this for the next two or three years, can you imagine that? Can you imagine if they have this sort of content? And this is why we need to be doing it. Really, really enjoyed this podcast. Well done to Michael McGuire and all of his boys for opening the doors. It's not easy. It's probably going to get harder in the next episode when you have a look at that draw that's upcoming. It's going to get really tough. There's a lot of heartbreaking moments. There's going to be a lot of really tough conversations. There's going to be a lot of fan backlash. This is, I mean, that's like Hard Over where they got booed off at halftime in, in the... Uh, memorial game for Tommy Rodotikas. So there's a lot to come. And I'm very interested to see if if Michael Maguire points out that the crowd was booing to them. I think it's very interesting. I think there's going to be fantastic content to watch next Monday night. I cannot wait for that one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.